So today I want to talk a bit about um, some principles from psychology that have application to the whole discussion of healing and self-transformation down to the roots of mind or personal mind that are associated with the willingness and the capacity to change or learn. Uh, the capacity, we're talking about self-transformation, it's all about directed change, directed self-changing, uh, self-directed self-changing, particularly transformation of mind, which we talked about healing and initiation, we talked about uh, clearing lower chakra blockages, sure, or getting beyond distortions or psychopathology, neurosis in the mind. Knowing oneself, know yourself, accept yourself, become the creator. Before you become the creator, <laughs> or realize uh, all is one, uh, there's a whole lot of self-directed self-transformation required. Even if there's no solid self, this body-mind-spirit complex is uh, the self we seem to be having, or working with, and <clears throat> um, yet we get stuck in patterns all the time. We uh, have distortions uh, in mind associated with chakra blockages as yet unreleased or blocks un unhealed, blockages uh, that have not been cleared. Uh, <clears throat> and there's a pace, we all have a certain pace or speed by which um, we can facilitate uh, continued self-transformation. So I want to look at the page on Wikipedia uh, associated with the two terms egosyntonic and egodystonic. I want to look at the Wikipedia page uh, on tonic, the use of the word tonic in physiology, which is different than gin and tonic. And maybe <clears throat> um, I want to draw from a page written by a German man who became a monk in, in uh, Chiang Mai, it seems, writing about anatta or no-self, <clears throat> or non-ego. So we start with Western psychology, and particularly Freud and psychoanalysis, using the term ego, which indeed may well have not been, um, as we think of it today, meaning myself is this ego, this ego is self, and we got to <clears throat> clear the ego, heal the ego, destroy the ego, purify the ego, <clears throat> whatever that our views may be, that may not be the same as how Freud used it. As somebody said, it may be the a fragment or an aspect of the total self, which seems very reasonable, bearing in mind <clears throat> Buddha or Gautama's understanding that there is no solid self, and yet it's a, a useful concept to some degree. Ra said that um, ego, <clears throat> we find this concept unworkable and understanding cannot come from it. So holding the concept of ego tightly, assuming that ego is myself, that has to be, is a solid structure in the mind or in the being that needs to be worked on, that's unworkable, according to Ra. <clears throat> and understanding or fourth chakra activation or um, harvestability or further heart-based positive path development can't come from working with this concept ego. Uh, I agree. However, um, <clears throat> if we hold the term ego very loosely as simply the sense of self, not a substantial structure or substantial uh, entity within the mind or something, then I think we can develop understanding. 
and from the page anatta uh, before we even get to the page wikipedia egocentric and egodystonic uh, the definition of this is not self or non-ego or egolessness or impersonality uh, i would say insubstantiality also <clears throat> written first paragraph is the last of the three characteristics of existence ti lakana ti lakana means a uh, uh, three lakana meanings three characteristics also called um, the three marks the anatta doctrine teaches that neither within the bodily and mental phenomena of existence nor outside of them can be found anything that in the ultimate sense could be regarded as a self-existing real ego entity soul or any other abiding substance so in substantiality there isn't a substantial um real or um objectively eternal um self entity that can be found upon analysis something like that going on this is the central <clears throat> he says this is the central i think actually uh, impermanence is central but he writes that this is the central doctrine of buddhism without understanding which without understanding of which a real knowledge of buddhism is altogether impossible um and i agree to a certain extent yes it is the only really specific buddhist doctrine with which the entire scripture of the buddhist teaching stands or falls all the remaining buddhist doctrines may more or less be found in other philosophic systems and religions but the anatta doctrine has been clearly unreservedly taught only by the buddha therefore the buddha is known as the anattavadi teacher of impersonality anattavadi anatta vadi teacher <clears throat> teacher of um in uh, of um, selflessness <laughs> or teacher of the insubstantiality of selfhood the teacher of non-ego and or the teacher of um empty uh, egoic emptiness <laughs> and i would say that the central doctrine of buddhism is impermanence but in, in uh, anatta or no self or insubstantial insubstantiality of identity it's basically um freedom from identification the real you know, the reality that there's no fixed and abiding identity that we can find uh to uh, as ourself as a selfhood uh, that actually comes naturally from an understanding of impermanence or anicca but it's very true and it's a very important point and it's very um consequential that in buddhism uh that buddhism itself is indeed the only uh religion or philosophic doctrine that that um propounds uh, the reality of uh, anatta or the the unreality of substantial selfhood that's really true and that's uh people can get into trouble with this yeah sure maybe keep people can get into depersonalization dissociation self denial or emotional process denial um, but those are problems with um you know uh, using the medicine wrongly not the medicine itself as a teaching as medicine uh going on a little bit <clears throat> and then i want to i'm going to pull back to this after we look at egocentric egodystonic next paragraph whosoever has not penetrated this impersonality of all existence and does not comprehend that in reality there exists only this continually self-consuming process of arising and passing 
bodily and mental phenomena, meaning an uh, inicha, impermanence, and that there is no separate ego entity within or without this process, he will not be able to understand Buddhism. I think so too. I.e., the teaching of the Four Noble Truths, right, which is the reality of dukkha, or suffering, dissatisfaction, stress, its cause, its ending, and the way to its ending. Those are the Four Noble Truths. And will not be able to understand Buddhism, i.e. teaching of the Four Noble Truths, in the right light. He will think that it is his ego, his personality, that experiences suffering, his personality that performs good and evil actions, and will be reborn according to these actions, his personality that will enter into Nibbana, his personality that walks on the Eightfold Path, and, and the teaching here is that no, <clears throat> there is no his personality, there is no fixed selfhood personality, personhood to be doing those things, however those activities happen. And the quote here from Vishuddhimaga, Vishuddhimaga 16, according to somebody's translation, quote, mere suffering, Dukkha, mere suffering exists, but no sufferer is found. The deeds are, but no doer of the deeds is there. Nibbana is, but not the man that enters it. The path is, but no traveler on it is seen. And so this is actually a, a... a formulation of the Four Noble Truths in light of anatta. <clears throat> and um, anatta, no self, selflessness, uh, <clears throat> uh, as based in inicha, impermanence, as the uh, frame by which we can understand the Four Noble Truths. So the first is the existence of suffering, or dukkha. Mere suffering, dukkha, exists. No sufferer is found. So dukkha appears to exist, or dukkha is experienced indeed, but no entity that is experiencing the dukkha can be found if you keep looking, indeed. Look at your, find yourself, like Ramana Maharshi said, search for the ego. Good luck, see what you find. (laughs) You'll find emptiness. The deeds are, but no doer of the deeds is there, and the deeds, particularly deeds that um, we can say, you know, his personality performing good and evil actions and rebirth according to those actions <clears throat> uh, karmic seeds karmic call, karmic seeds are are sown uh, action in body mind and speech meaning physical behavior and thought and speech uh, is occurring <clears throat> but again no um, fixed entity within can be found and so likewise the cause of suffering is there by our deeds, or the uh, activity of uh, thought, word, and deed, physical, and those actions occur, but and they, they give rise to dukkha and suffering, of course, based on ignorance. <clears throat> but no doer can be found. Nibbana is the third noble truth, right, the end of suffering, but not the man, or being, or one, to enter it, indeed. And Ra talked about that too, that um, the adept Um, when the being becomes an adept and moves along the adept path um, one um, one finds um, that the one that started is no longer there something like that that the one that entered has been transformed it's a paraphrase so uh, to think that you will achieve enlightenment is mistaken Um, if you're based if you have a thick notion of you that those 
the conceptual identity is not true being, period. And so conceptualization of identity isn't true being or isn't our true identity. Presence, <laughs> unfettered presence is closer. The path is, but no traveler on it is seen. And so the fourth noble truth, the path to the ending of suffering, being Nibban or Nirvana, uh, is indeed. But there's no one, there, there's no uh, fixed, separative, uh, unchanging, or substantial entity, personhood, uh, doing that, doing that path. Then we drop down um, into the lower, <laughs> into the lower realms, and we look at Wikipedia talking about egocentric, egodystonic, <clears throat> and probably I'm going to keep this to just about a half hour today, and then next week we'll close it with another hour, I think. Egocentric, egodystonic, Wikipedia, not a long page. These are actually critical terms. It's interesting that the page is so short. Mm, I'll read introductory paragraph, uh, applicability, and the Freudian heritage, and try to keep my comments brief so we can pull through the whole page in 15 or 20 minutes. First paragraph, introductory. Egocentonic and egodystonic, D-Y-S-T-O-N-I-C, egocentonic and egodystonic are terms used in psychoanalysis. Egocentonic is a term referring to behaviors, values, and feelings that are in harmony with or acceptable to the needs and goals of the ego or consistent with one's ideal self-image. Ego-dystonic, also called ego-alien, is the opposite of egocentonic and refers to thoughts and behaviors, e.g. dreams, impulses, compulsions, desires, etc., that are in conflict, dissonant, or dissonant with the needs and goals of the ego or further in conflict with a person's ideal self-image. So we can say self-image syntonic, self-image dystonic, or self-syntonic, or self-dystonic, uh, the sense of self. We don't have to worry about ego as illusory. Uh, the sense of self-image indeed is, or the sense of self as self-image, or the view of self, self-view, um, is apparently real or certainly experienced. So there's basically that which is in harmony with or acceptable to, and that which is out of harmony or not acceptable to, the sense of self. Syntonic, dystonic. Syntonicity, meaning um, in harmony with, uh, with tonicity. Dystonicity, dystonic, meaning outside or without or against tonicity, which really means physiological in this case, mental or self-image-based harmony. In harmony, out of harmony, um, in agreement with, out of agreement with, uh, fitting or seen as not fitting. And so we're talking about behaviors, values, and feelings. That's what they're talking about. We're really talking about, uh, I'm, I want to focus on um, <clears throat> how we... Um, how a person, the relative openness to change, the relative, um, the capacity of any one person at any one time to learn, to find new information, to hear truths about themselves that are not syntonic. <laughs> it's easy to hear truth that you like. It's not easy to hear truth that you don't like. 
the liking not liking is the is that what we like is syntonic what we don't like is dystonic of course there are some people who are very stuck in self-hatred self-blame self low self-esteem and so they like to hear what makes them feel bad or confirms how bad they are to which is their own self-image only so there is a healthy self-image and an unhealthy self-image or there's a positive self-image and a negative self-image right uh, there's realistic self-image and fanciful mistaken self-image right so the napoleon complex um the guy uh is average and he thinks he's superlative that's a distorted self-image associated with grandiosity Uh, most people have that to some degree that's a problem meanwhile many people or many people who have um what could be called um, some degree of uh, (laughs) self-centeredness, grandiosity, uh, uh, unrealistic, inflated self-image, unrealistic, overvaluing, uh, or excessively um, what? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Self-cherishing self-image, like I'm thinking I'm better than I am. I'm this these qualities um, that I that, that are valuable or good, I have all them, or I'm all that good stuff. And the other is low self-esteem. Uh, I am bad. I'm a loser. I'm a failure. And so, <clears throat> uh, the the matter here is that there is there are all sorts of variations of self-image, and then there's uh, in line with the self-image, which may be realistic or not realistic, or quite realistic but not fully generally is the case uh, or some people who are completely <laughs> very unrealistic self-image or self-view um, unrealistic positive unrealistic negative realistic or unrealistic you know when it's realistic it's not positive or negative it's healthy and and honest meaning I know my strengths I know my weaknesses and even if there's no my or possession okay fine we can you know, use the temporary uh, illusion of self-psychology to move out of self-psychology. But commonly thought, uh, realistic self-image, to me, seems to be, I know my strengths and weaknesses, um, good points and distortions pretty well. And I'm pretty much open to hearing uh, what people have to say about me, or listening to criticism or constructive constructive criticism and trying to discern the truth i want to be realistic i want to be honest i want to see clearly that means i want a an accurate or realistic self-image now i don't think a lot of people even have that commitment but um it's uh, painful to hear things that are dystonic to the sense of self and so what's in harmony with what's acceptable to is syntonic what's felt to be uh, in conflict with, or dissonant from, or outside of how I think of myself or want to think of myself is dystonic. And uh, we're talking here, you know, they talk about behaviors, values, and feelings. And I'm talking really about information um, about one's uh, uh, self knowledge, self understanding. Um, certainly, somebody who values love. Uh, will feel that uh, doing violence is ego-dystonic. 
That's that's kind of simplistic. So that's behavior. So we know some things that people don't want to do, or sometimes when we don't want to do something at the level of physical behavior, it's because it conflicts with our sense of self. Fine, there's not a really a big deal on that, except if there's a conflict around it, and there's a sense of, I know I should, but I don't. I know I should take care of myself better, but I don't. That's, you know, some conflict uh, regarding that behavior, but it's really a conflict of values, it seems to me. Uh, but particularly, um, it's, uh, I'd like to focus on what is syntonic and what is dystonic in terms of uh, self-understanding or information that comes in or hearing about myself or knowing of myself more deeply as to the degree to which uh, any one person can um, be, have a realistic sense of self, moving towards a realistic sense of self not strong or weak, <laughs> neither um, neither arrogant nor self-depreciating, but a realistic, honest, fair, true, um, realistic sense of self. And that's difficult when the sense of self um, is fragile. So we go down, applicability, abnormal psychology uh, has studied egocentonic and egotistonic concepts in some detail. Again, I'm not going to talk about, we're not talking only about abnormal psychology. <clears throat> the, the real problem is normal psychology, which is many ways distorted. <laughs> Distortions of normal psychology is, are much more uh, prevalent and useful for us than uh, those strange clinical cases of abnormal. Many pers going on, many personality disorders, meaning extreme mental illness, mental health cases like paranoia, obsessive-compulsive, schizophrenia, delusional, um, psychopathic, sociopathic, which, you know, most people are not falling into. But, yes, indeed, many personality disorders are egosyntonic, meaning acceptable to the person. They don't see any different, which makes their treatment difficult as the patients may not perceive anything wrong and view their perceptions and behavior as reasonable and appropriate. For example, a person with narcissistic personality disorder has an excessively positive self-regard and rejects suggestions that would chal that challenges this viewpoint. This corresponds to the general concept in psychiatry psychiatry of poor insight. Yes, indeed, they don't know themselves so well. Going on, an anorexia nervosa, meaning anorexia, a difficult-to-treat axis one disorder characterized by a distorted body image and fear of gaining weight, is also considered egosyntonic because many of its sufferers deny that they have a problem. So. Um, she's five foot four and eighty pounds. Problem gambling, however, is sometimes seen as egocentric, even depending partly on the reactions of the individual involved and whether they know that their gambling is problematic. And so, the capacity to re to recognize um, my behavior is problematic um, requires insight. That insight actually requires a sense of ego or self that um, is both strong enough to acknowledge that I'm uh, stuck in problematic behavior or I have distorted values and beliefs, uh, acknowledging that there really is a problem here. Uh, one has to have a realistic enough or strong enough or s strong, <laughs> realistically 
healthy or strong enough sense of self to be able to hear any kind of um, view or opinion from somebody else that there's something wrong here, that that my behavior or my my behavior is problematic or my beliefs are wrong. And so we get this all sorts of ramifications here. There's problematic behavior, and then there are wrong beliefs. Like somebody who says, no, ego is solid, and I've got to destroy my ego to be free of uh, suffering. Uh, you know, <laughs> according to um, Buddhism and Advaita Vedanta and many traditions, uh, that's a mistaken view. Even Ra talks against that kind of, the ego is solid, I've got to destroy it and kill it to be free. But some people hold it tightly, that view, and they don't think there's a problem. <laughs> because at a deeper level of mind, that fits some aspects of their self-esteem, or their self, their, sorry, their self-image, their self-view. And so, uh, it's very common indeed. The, 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 there's one way of talking about the difference between neurosis and psychosis. Personality disorders are associated with psychosis, not uh, neurosis. They're a whole other order of you know, mental mind distortion than neurosis. It said that the neurotic builds sand castles in the sky and the psychotic lives in them. And it's a brilliant, brilliant um, analogy, I think. So when we're stuck in normal level, common level mental uh, distortion or neuroses, um, we, we make fantasy and um, we keep building mistaken... We, we're continually creating um, false um, false opinions. We're, we're living in mistaken view, or our opinions about our understanding is mistaken. We live in, we, we create, we continue creating misunderstanding, or we continue misunderstanding. Uh, obviously, we live in that misunderstanding, uh, but not permanently. We come and go. In the case of psychotic or personality disorders, there is a relatively permanent <laughs> inhabitation of um, of distorted uh, opinion or really a false self-view and worldview. View of self, view of, view of world um, is false or mistaken and the person is permanent relatively, is very strongly attached to them and pretty much unable to see something beyond. And so in that case, like living in the sandcastle in the sky, um, people don't think that there's anything wrong, and they feel that their, you know, perceptions are, are reasonable and appropriate. However, everybody is a bit psychotic. <laughs> everybody is stuck. Uh, the whole nature of blind of, of of misunderstanding is akin to a personality disorder, meaning it's not just the neurotic, <laughs> the neurotic or the person who's not full-blown schizophrenic or paranoiac or narcissistic or OCD uh, or delusional. It's not just that kind of person, which is called personality disorder or psychosis, that uh, lives in their sandcastle, actually, or uh, lives from false view. To, to some, in my opinion, to the, to the extent that anybody uh, defends um, wrong view, any any mistaken opinion or mistaken view of, of self or world or or um, creation, you know, like materialism as a wrong view or uh, associated with um, ego 
you know, solid self, ego, separate, that's going to die at death or be destroyed and go to the void and empty and be never more after death. That worldview, self-view, um, to the extent that anybody holds it, they believe it. So they live in it. Sure, they'll defend it. They may not want to hear anything else. There, there are very few materialists, intellectuals, skeptics, debunkers, professional debunkers, um, who want to hear anything else. They're convinced they're right. That's a kind of psychosis. <laughs> because actually, uh, logically, they can't be sure they're right. They just believe they're right. And so um, this kind of um, uh, collective um, quasi-psychosis, <laughs> the psychosis of the veiled 3D mind, uh, the 3D veiled mind, um, with great distortion, um, all the way up until the the um, in, until insight and freedom from such distortions by, you know, awakening to the mistaken understanding and um, finding you know replacing wrong view with a, a more accurate view of self or world or life. Um, before that time of transformation. Mm, uh, there's a sort of quasi-psychosis <laughs> in the mind. People arguing for their wrong beliefs or their mistaken self-view and worldview. It happens all the time. Going further, an illustration of the differences between an ego-dystonic and an ego-syntonic mental disorder is in comparing obsessive-compulsive disorder and obsessive-compulsive personality disorder. All right, So one is neurotic, the other one psychotic or personality disorder. Obsessive-compulsive disorder, not the, not the extreme, is considered to be ego-dystonic as the thoughts and compulsions experienced or expressed are not consistent with the individual's self-perception, meaning the patient realizes the obsessions are unreasonable and are often distressed by their obsessions. In contrast, obsessive-compulsive personality disorder is ego-syntonic as the patient generally perceives their obsession with orderliness, perfectionism, and control as reasonable and even desirable. And so that's kind of um, not unusual. And so um, the um, basis of how we're stuck, or us, uh, all of us stuck wherever we're stuck, with our particular configuration of lower triad blockages, and our particular core beliefs associated with self and world, to whatever degree those are distorted, we're stuck, or we, we perpetuate those distortions. And in many ways, what that is, is uh, taking um, that which is distorted as egocentonic, um, meaning there's an acceptability uh, to our views and views of self and view of world and even value scale scale of values we consider them right and good and acceptable or true and accurate and therefore egocentric or in harmony with um, who I am who I feel I am or how I think reality is <clears throat> and don't realize that they're actually mistaken <laughs> so there's um False egocentricity, oh, false or unhealthy, unskillful egocentricity, which is basically regarding that which is harmful to me as that which is good for me. 
Gautama talked about this all the time, taking taking the unskillful for skin for skillful, and taking the harmful for harmless, um, and assuming that we know, or we um, uh, we're we're in the right. <laughs> Um, we we uh, are not distorted when we are distorted, or that there's no distortion when there is distortion. We think that there's no ignorance when there is ignorance, and so we become full of ourselves, or we become a bit arrogant, or we uh, are not receptive to constructive criticism, or we become defensive, or we walk around defensive, or we're not really open-hearted, and so open-hearted is the opposite of that. And open-hearted with wisdom uh, basically means I'm willing to see what's not true. Uh, and where I'm mistaken, uh, I want to be corrected. And I'm careful um, before I assume I know for sure. And so then in this difference between uh, OCD and OCPD, Obsessive Compulsive Disorder, just Obsessive Compulsive Personality Disorder, in the one case, the person realizes there's a problem here. In the other case, the person doesn't. And that's the difference between knowing that my current understanding is limited and mistaken, or my views are perhaps mistaken, or my views are mistaken indeed. And uh, you know more than I do. Or that opinion that you're sharing is right and I've been wrong. Uh, that's very difficult <laughs> for most folks, for all of us to the extent that we have a um, fragile sense of self or a sense of self that's not grounded in truth and virtue. Finally, the next section, Freudian heritage. And actually, I'm not sure. Uh, I'll just go through this quickly, and next week we'll wrap it all up. Freudian heritage, egocentonic, was a term or was introduced as a term in 1914 by Freud in On Narcissism. We can look at that sometime and remained an important part of his conceptual armory, meaning a collection of weapons, but that's a silly way of putting it. Freud saw psychic conflict arising when, quote, the original lagging instincts come into conflict with the ego or egocentonic instincts. And so this is id versus ego or psychic conflict coming from um, some opposition between um, some desires and how the person thinks of themselves that disallows those desires or doesn't or, or um, feels that they're, uh, it, it's unacceptable even to consider those desires because it conflicts with the, their sense of self. So, not desires that are considered ego dystonic, while actually they may be helpful for the person or um, necessary to at least consider for general, you know, better health or, or to be honest and well. Uh, Otto Fenichel, these, are, these guys are really old-timer psychoanalysts. Otto Fenichel distinguished between morbid impulses, which he saw as egocentonic, and compulsive symptoms which struck their possessors as ego-alien. And these, this is dealing with people who have, you know, all sorts of super conflict, super complexes, uh, like Victorian England people who get a tick or um, a stutter, uh, but, but associated with heavy self-repression or heavy emotion, or repression of desires. So morbid impulses, 
which can be egocentonic, meaning the person allows them or feels that they're okay. <laughs> and then compulsive symptoms, uh, meaning uh, some kind of symptomology of, of some serious problem that f they feel is ego alien, meaning it doesn't fit me, I don't know why this is here. So a lot of this is about uh, integrating a, a deeper self-understanding and self-acceptance that integrates that which we feel is not me, but it arises in body-mind, and they don't want it. Uh, and then they do heavy repression against it. That leads to all sorts of uh, strange, cons strange symptoms, compulsive symptoms. Anna Freud stressed how differences which were uh, defenses, which were ego-syntonic, were harder to expose than ego-dystonic impulses because the former are familiar and taken for granted. And that's a very deep... <laughs> Anna Freud, I think daughter of Freud, of uh, Sigmund, stressed how defenses which are egocentonic are harder to expose. than, uh, And so defenses that are egocentonic really means how I don't want to hear what you... I, I assume you're wrong, or I assume that's not true, or I assume I'm right. Um, but actually the person's stuck in defense mechanism. It happens all the time. And in fact, we might want to look into that. Um, defenses or avoidance or ways of... Um, not seeing truth that we use to avoid uh, changing <laughs> and learning and growing and healing, yet they're egocentric, meaning the person feels that's just me. I'm just this way. Or how dare you say that? Meanwhile, what's said may be true and important. So that's heavy, actually, and that's really where the, the problem lies is um, defense mechanisms, avoidance, um, unwillingness to develop insight um the 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 process the the procedures by which we uh, avoid insight and avoid healing and avoid self-understanding processes which actually feel familiar and safe and um we we strongly support to our own detriment <laughs> that's the problem heinz hartman and after him ego psychology also made central use of the twin concepts uh, syntonic dystonic Later psychoanalytic writers emphasized how direct expression of the repressed was ego-dystonic and indirect expression more ego-syntonic. So direct expression of the repressed, um, <laughs> people have a hard time with their catharsis. <laughs> that doesn't, it feels alien to me, uh, this great sorrow or anger or fear. Uh, it's felt to be dystonic when actually it might be very uh, helpful, helpful but certainly doesn't fit the sense of self, the current sense of self. So a limited sense of self, um, ex the sense, the the the, uh, the breadth and depth of the sense of self, the purity or transparency or a metaphysical reality, degree of metaphysical reality of the sense of self, uh, determines um, the scope of what's considered syntonic and dystonic, particularly dystonic meaning the smaller the sense of self, the greater uh, the range of what's considered outside what I'm willing to, con to consider. And the greater or more honest, not n narcissistic, but more honest and realistic and more metaphysically uh, accurate, the sense of self, the greater the space in which we can consider so-called ego syntonic or we can listen and hear and consider that the sense of self is broad and deep enough, realistic, uh, broad and deep and realistic enough to hear much and consider much 
and not get defensive and upset and, and freaked out about things and be willing to consider rather than reflexively uh, reject or you know meet with uh, complex subtle defense mechanisms and so um, indirect expression more egocentric and again that's how the person thinks of themselves their self view associated with expression and what expression is acceptable to how I think of myself and what expression is not acceptable to how I think of myself right I'm not the kind of person who just bursts into tears or goes raging or is paralyzed in fear or feels weakness or terror and panic I'm not that kind of person and so the more rigid the sense of self um, the more is considered ego dystonic and the more flexible realistic and I would say spiritually accurate spiritually real uh, spiritually insightful true spiritually true the sense of self um, the the broader the range of what will be felt to be uh, acceptable or able to be um, received and at least contemplated so 2150 the teaching from the book one teaching is uh, the measure of a mind's evolution or measure of a mind's evolution or development is its ability to accept the unacceptable so the measure or a measure of the mind's development or a soul's development is its ability to accept the unacceptable which means to accept what previously was felt to be unacceptable which is an expansion of the range of what's considered egocentric and um, the withering away of what's felt to be ego dystonic and even the rigidity of the sense of self um, uh, not just this there, there's the space of the sense of self the breadth and depth and then there's the rigidity versus flexibility uh, that that has bearing on how much we can consider or accept to consider and contemplate and look into um, but in general <laughs> to the extent that there's any sense of any fixed sense of self which is of course uh, ignorance avidya and um, not understanding anatta to the extent that there's any rigid sense of self fixed sense of self um, we will have preferences and so uh, the third patriarch in China said the great way is not difficult for those who have no preferences it's just uh, not too not too easy to get to that point of freedom from preferences and have no preferences may even be a poor translation those that are not bound by preferences so anyway, next time we're going to pick up this more and talk about um, uh, ego, selflessness or anatta, uh, ego syntonic and ego dystonic or ego syntonicity and ego dystonicity, what's felt to be acceptable or not acceptable in harmony with or conflicting with the avidya ignorance based <laughs> mistaken sense of self or mistake of false uh, fixed rigid sense of self uh, and f progressive freedom from that and um, the basis of learning and self-directed transformation associated with expanding the realm of what's considered egocentric or what is acceptable or what the person what we are willing to consider and listen to uh, as a critical development on the path as the basis of healing the basis of, of learning and changing and transformation so thank you very much for being here I hope it was helpful take good care and good night